If you could open your hymnals and turn to responsive reading number 800, Union with Christ, it is our call to worship this morning. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. The Old Testament reading this morning is found in 1 Samuel 12, verse 1 and verse 13. We invite you to join in the Pew Bible page 258 and 259. When everyone has it, say amen. Okay, is that everyone? Okay. Samuel said to all Israel, I have listened to everything you say to me and have set a king over you. Now here is the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Glad to be with you again today. And uh, I'm a little bit behind in things because um, I'm not reading the bulletin carefully enough to know why I'm supposed to come up here. (laughs) Anyway... I'm glad to be with you. My wife is here today, Jenny, and um, I've been praying for you and about this message, and um, I want to share it with you, and when I do something like this, I'm always a bit nervous, you know, so you all can pray for me too, okay? It's a, it's a message for all of us, and, um, and it has to do with, do you want some faith? Anybody want faith? I think we all do. I'm going to ask a question now. Here's the question today. What does it mean to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? What does that mean? What's the attributes of a man or a woman after God's own heart? Well, this is, um, this is something that the Bible talks about and defines for us. And I want to share that with you in this message this morning. You interested in this? Yes. 
Um, every time I do a sermon, I learn something new. I never get tired of reading God's Word, do you? There's always something new and fresh and alive. Sometimes it's a little pointed and I go, oh, ouch, Lord. Other times we say, man, thank you, Lord. But God is good all the time, right? And all the time. Isn't that true? It's really true. Would you open your Bibles with me now to 1 Samuel chapter 8? Now, please have your Bibles open throughout this entire time because we're going to look at 1 Samuel. We're going to be right there. We're going to be kind of going verse to verse a little bit here. 1 Samuel chapter 8. And see, my problem is I look at everything. I want to know what everything means in the Bible, don't you? But I only have a limited time today, so we can only look at some things and have, this is kind of an overview. But I want to share it with you, because we want to have faith. And I want to share it with you, beginning um, with 1 Samuel, this is in chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. Now it says, it says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Now, if you have your Bible open, read it with me. Here we go. Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Okay, so here we are, everybody here, First Samuel. Chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. This is an amazing thing. Because here in the church, we have deacons and deaconesses and elders and helpers and people and pastors. But who is the head of this church? Christ the Lord. God is the head of this church. We all know that and submit to that. We are all His children, aren't we? We're all just gifted differently. But there came a time in Israel's history where the elders came along here and said, Look, you're old and your sons are not like you. And now make us a king. Check out your Bibles now carefully. Now make us a king to judge us like who? Like who? Like all the nations. Now just think of what they're asking. Up until this point, of course, we know that there were judges. You know, judges were something like Samuel was a, a judge. Samson was a judge. There were many men and women who were judges. But they never had a king because who was their king? God, God Almighty. So this is a pretty remarkable verse. And when we go down here, to verse 7. I want you to look at verse 6 for a minute also. It says, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So what did Samuel do? He went to pray. And that's an important point. I'm going to talk about that next week. But this week is he was upset with their idea. And what they were asking him to do. 
And so we look at verse 7, and it says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Now, in your Bible, if you look at the word chapter, this is chapter 8, verse 7, the word Lord is printed in all capitals. Is that correct? These are all capital letters. That's intentional, and that is done to help us understand when you see the word Lord, you're talking about back to Exodus 3, the great Lord who is the I Am. See? And the Bible's written so that God's name was so sacred that they would put in the word Lord so that they could understand that who they're referring to and who we're referring to is God Almighty, the Lord God. And in fact, for us today in the New Testament, who is the great I Am? Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is God Almighty. So in a sense, and it's accurate, it says here, the Lord, we can think of our Lord Jesus, who was from the beginning, right? Who was the creator God. Said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, Samuel, but they have rejected who? Me. That I should not reign over them. Wow. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine going to God and saying, I want to reign over myself and I want a leader like other nations. This was not about, Lord God, let us go to prayer as the elders and the leaders and let us ask for a leader who is a person of character. Let us ask for a person who loves you. Let us ask for a person who knows you and wants to follow you, God. That's who we want to lead. Now, they didn't do that. It says here, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. Now, on this point, I want, this is my first point of, my, of the lesson today, and this is this. If you want faith, you need to know one thing about God, and that is this. God is faithful to you and to me, even when we are not. Okay? Did you hear what I said? It says that God is faithful to you and to me, even when we are not. And I always think when I'm preaching that there's someone here in the congregation today who needs a word from God. That maybe you're wondering, does God love me? Does God care about me? Look what I've done. Look how I've ruined my life. Look at what has happened in my life. I want to tell you that you serve and you are worshiping a God who does love you. He doesn't base his love on your performance. Because if he did, we're all sinners. We're lost, right? His basis for his love for us is because we're his children. Okay, that's it. We belong to God. That's good news, huh? Okay, is that good news? Some of you not need to smile a little bit then. If it's good news, okay? It's okay to smile in church. Now write this down. Are you taking notes? Write this down. Isaiah 49, 15. Just write it down because I'm not going to have you look it up. Just write it down because you'll be saying, what, what was that verse? Isaiah 49, 15. This is what it says about God and his relationship to you and me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast 
and have no compassion on the child she has born. Though she may forget, I will never forget you, says our God. That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? If you want faith, one of the first steps is to know who God is and to know how much he loves you. See, Then you can say, man, I want to have faith and trust in that God. I want to be like him. See? Where does faith come from? Well, faith comes from hearing the word of God. And, um, you know, if you're taking notes, Hebrews 11.1, 1, you know, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. I preached about this a couple weeks ago. Faith is knowing that God is faithful to you and to me and it's not based on our faithfulness to Him. What a God we serve. He deserves our worship, doesn't He? Now I want to go to chapter 10. As much as I would like to stay and peruse everything, we've got to move on. So now go to chapter 10. I want you to know that God was completely aware of what was in the hearts of the elders asking for a king like other nations. God felt rejected, you know, but he did not withhold his blessings. This is what I want you to see. Even in the life of Saul, here is Saul, Now, if you're in chapter 10, look at verse 6. The Bible tells us in in chapter 10, verse 6, then the Spirit, notice how the Spirit is capitalized, which is indicative of the Holy Spirit. Hmm? Then the Holy Spirit of the Lord, there it is again, will come upon you. This is Samuel now to Saul. And you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. In other words, he's going to be so filled with the Holy Spirit, he's like one of the traveling prophets who will prophesy. Prophecy is talking about God. Prophecy is teaching about God. Prophecy is telling who God is. That's what prophecy is about. And he says that that you will prophesy with them and you will be turned into what? Another man. Now it gets clarified here in verse 9. Go down to verse 9 now. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, this is Saul, that God gave him another heart. Wow. And all those signs came to pass that day. You go home and read this, okay? You can read about it. Did God withhold his blessing from Saul? No. God is faithful, always faithful. God is always faithful. He wanted Saul's best. He wanted to give him the best. He did give him the best. He gave him the Holy Spirit in his life and wanted him to move on and grow and develop. Now, you know that 
When you have the Holy Spirit in your life, it doesn't mean that we're puppets, you know, we're just puppeteers and God is pulling every string. That's not the way God works. We believe as Christians, and especially Seventh-day Adventist Christians, that you and I have complete volitional choice. We have free will. We can choose, right? We can even choose to do wrong if we want. You know? Don't ever think that somebody like, man, oh, Pastor Mitch, I'll bet he never has one evil thought. <laughs> See me after church, okay? All right? I had about 50 coming here. But the thing of it is, is that when those thoughts come to my mind, I want to run back to the one who loves me the best Amen. and the most. In fact, I can love my wife adequately because Jesus loves me completely. See? That's how I learned to love her and love you. But the fact is, we have freedom to choose to turn left or to turn right, to say yes to Jesus or no, to follow the Lord or not. Isn't that true? Now, you know, when you have kids, um, they're not always accommodating. Huh? Folks? Don't you love all the kids down here? I love the children's story, you know? But we know that they're growing up, aren't they? Uh Uh-huh. And the thing that that most little kids don't know is that mom or dad usually has an eye on them when they're in the backyard. And you're saying, share the toys, okay, with the boys and girls and your cousins or whoever's out there. Okay. And you get out there and you see what's going on. And, of course, if there's no sharing, mom or dad can help with that. The kids are wondering, how did they know? How is it possible? Well, that's being parents. God knows us intimately, doesn't he? Psalms 139, it says, even in our mother's womb, while we were being knit together, God knew us intimately. He knows every hair on our head. He knows when we go in and we come out. He knows us. Yet, This is what's amazing to me. He loves us. He loves you and me. So the first step is, if you want faith, who are you having faith in? You need to answer that question. Who is God to you? I'm trying to give you some hints today, big ones. But I want you to go on and discover them for yourself through your Bible reading. So now I'm in... Chapter 10, and we found that the new king, whose name is Saul, by the way, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was very tall. He he was a handsome man. The Bible says so. And he had the ability to go to war and lead the armies. He could do that. You'll read about that when you read this this afternoon. He was a really good warrior and a good leader. He had all the attributes of a great worldly king, right? That's what they asked for. So we have to be careful what we ask for in prayer, don't we? It's like the man who had the little SUV and was kind of getting tired of it. You know, had some miles on it, but he wanted to trade up. 
So he found a really good deal on one of these high-end SUVs. And he's going, oh, man, answer to prayer. Perfect. He goes out and gets that high-end SUV. The only thing is he traded a six-cylinder for an eight-cylinder. And uh, I don't know if he didn't realize before that prayer how much gas was. That's not the end of it. Now it's time to go and get it serviced and fixed. And somehow those parts cost twice as much as his old little car. Be careful what you ask for, okay? We have to be careful. We have to count the costs. So, then, here now look in verse 8. This is really important. This is really an important verse here. Here, Samuel says, Samuel says to the new king Saul, You shall go down before me to Gilgal. Surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Now, read the rest of it with me. You got your Bibles open? It says, seven days, read it with me, seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. So, Samuel the prophet, speaking from God's direction, says to the new king, we're going down to Gilgal. Within seven days, I'll be there. And at that point, we'll have a sacrifice to God. We'll worship the Lord and we'll move ahead. It's basically what it says. All right? So it's an important point. Now, don't jump ahead of me too much. But we know that there were actually three kings in Israel. There were no kings, earthly kings, in Israel until Saul. Saul was the first king. Who was the second one? David. And then we had Solomon. These were kings of the United Kingdom of Israel. Now, once Solomon died, there's what's called the divided kingdoms, and there's kings in the north and in the south. Okay, that's different. What I'm talking about are the three kings of the United Kingdom. The first one was called, named Saul. And then his next person will be King David that will come along. And I want to show you how this is going to work. Now, Samuel spoke at Saul's coronation. Turn to chapter 12. And look at verse 13. Now, you need to be here because I'm going to compare this text with another text. This text that we're going to compare with here is the one about a man or woman after God's own heart. So you want to see this in your Bible. You want to see counterpoint, counterpoint here. So chapter 12, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. Here's the coronation, and it says, Now therefore, and this is Samuel speaking, Here is the king whom you have chosen to all the people and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. I want you to see in there, though, here is the king whom you have chosen to the people. This is your king. You chose him. And here's the king you desired. Okay, I want to make sure I make that clear. Here he is. 
And they all agreed. Now we want to move ahead to some of the issues that involved Saul. Saul went, for example, now I'm over here in chapter 13 and verse 8. And I'm really kind of really moving along in this thing. Sorry we couldn't take more time to do this right. But I'm trying to show you here that here we have a new king. God allowed the king to be chosen. Samuel said, go to Gilgal, wait seven days. Within that seven-day period, I'll be there. And then we'll sacrifice and pray to God and worship together and see what's happening. Well, now we're in chapter 13, verse 8. What did the new king do? Well, it says here, then he, that's Saul, waited how long? Seven days. According to the time sent by who? Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. In other words, here's what's happening. They're at this point under attack by the Philistines. The Philistines have a large army. So Saul blows the horn, blows the trumpets in Israel, gets all these people to come out to do battle. But because of their hearts, and by the way, whenever, have you noticed this in the Bible? Whenever Israel wins a war, it's not because of them, it's because of God. In other words, remember that, um, that um, you had Gideon and he had a few thousand soldiers and the Lord goes, that's too many. Stop by the brook here and have them drink. And he's going, that's too many. What? By the time they got done, remember how many they had left over? 300. They had 300. Going up against tens of thousands of the enemy. And God says, okay, I can, I can 300, that's plenty. Because... The battle is never about human strength, human wisdom, human ability. Is it? Be careful, don't answer this too quick. It's not a trick question, but hey, hey. Is it about human ability? Is it about human strength? Is it about, you know, human intellect? We know intuitively that when we're, when, we're dealt, when we're dealt problems and difficulties in life, that it's, not, that, that it's not necessarily our own human abilities that will get us out of it. Yet, why do we spend so much time worrying about it? Why do we spend so much time thinking about the issue? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you here are facing some real issues, some real, some real things. Work and money and finances and kids, interpersonal relationships, relationship with God. And we spend a lot of our time focusing on a solution. Don't say amen. Because I'm part of it too. I find myself doing that. And the Lord will come to me, what are you doing? I'm thinking. What are you thinking about? Well, I'm trying to work this out. And God's going... That's what I'm for. Okay? I do it too. 
How many worry? Go ahead. Raise your hand. See, there's six of us. That's pretty good. Eight. Not bad. You know, you're never supposed to, you know, follow the Ten Commandments when you're in church. Okay, you know, always tell the truth. No. Just playing with you guys, okay? But see, God is making a real effort here to teach us something about faith. If you want faith, you need to know who He is, that He is faithful. And now we're moving into the area because I asked the question, what is a man or a woman after God's own heart? Now we're moving into that area. And we're going to start learning what a man or a woman after God's own heart is. What's the attributes? Okay? That's where I'm, that's where I'm heading here. But I want to give you a little background. So Saul here, so Saul's a king, and he's going to battle, and he's blown the trumpet, and he's got some people out there with him, but you know what's happening? The people with him, those brave soldiers, aren't brave anymore. They're fearful, and they're deserting. Can you imagine, you know, marching with a big army to fight another big army, and every morning, hundreds are gone. Hundreds are gone the next day. The Bible says they're hiding in caves. They're crossing the Jordan. They're getting out of Dodge. So from from Saul's perspective, what he's about to do is rational. He wants God's blessing, right? He wants God's blessing. And he knows God's blessing is connected to worship, and that is sacrificial worship. And he needs to do it pretty quick. Otherwise, it's going to be him and his kids fighting this big army. But So you see where I'm going here, folks? So it says in verse 8, go back, here we are in chapter 13, verse 8, when he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. The people were scattered from him. That's what I mean. They're, they're beginning to run away. So what did Saul do? So Saul says, well, bring the burnt offering and the peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. You see how we are sometimes? We, we, take, we take things, <laughs> we're pretty smart. We got a lot of education, we got background, we got money, we got blah, blah, whatever. However you rank yourself. Different ways of doing it. Beautiful hair, no hair, skin. Whatever it is, there's always a rationalization why we're going to do what we're going to do. Even if we know that is not what God wants us to do. Now, I'm with you here because I'm one of us. I may be a guest, but I'm still a sinner. Aren't we all? Let's see, our righteousness is as what? Oh, and George Knight. Now, you all know George Knight, Seventh-day Adventist professor. Now he's retired. He's written a lot of books. George Knight wrote a book called How to Be Perfect, something like that. I can't remember. It's something about being perfect. But in there he said, here's a great definition of sin, okay? A good... Now, you all heard definitions of sin before, like, Missing the bullseye, you know, you're shooting at a target, you miss the bullseye. That's a good one. But I really like George Knight. George Knight says that sin is saying to ourselves, I know more than God. Now, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, 
the Lord came to them and says, do not eat of the fruit in the midst of the garden. Otherwise, what will happen? You'll die. The snake comes over to Eve and to Adam. They're, they're equal. Hey, you want to have some fruit in the middle of the garden? It's really good. You want some? Well, let me see. It looks good. I'll bet it is good. I mean, I'm hungry. See what I mean? And I know more than God, so let me have it. That's a good definition of sin, isn't it? Because Samuel said to Saul, wait seven days. Within seven days, I'm going to be there. This was the seventh day. His army's deserting, and he's going, we've got to get this done so I can get on with the war. Who's he counting on? He's counting on himself. Now, I'm beginning to make the definition of, of a man and a woman after God's own heart. These stories are beginning to help with the definition of this. Okay? Now, that's not all. You know? And by the way, uh, look at verse 11. And, and Samuel said, well, what have you done? Saul says, well... When I saw that the people were scattered from me, you know, they're deserting, and that you did not come, whose fault is it now? Samuel. It's Samuel. And you didn't come. I know none of you do that, huh? We don't do that, do we? And that you didn't come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. Then, verse 12, I said... The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled <laughs> and offered a burnt offering. You see how, is it, he's got a really good argument. You know, my army's deserting, I wanted God's blessing, you weren't here, so I thought, hey, I'm going to do it. Do we ever do that? We want to learn to wait upon the Lord. Wait. Isn't waiting hard? Waiting is so hard. Just talk to Abraham and Sarah. You know, God says, and you'll have children. You two, Abraham and Sarah, you guys will have children like all of the stars in heaven. So Abraham begins to rationalize. Hey, I'm almost 100 and my wife is 90. You know, we're kind of getting beyond the years there. They're kind of pretty healthy, huh? <laughs> Some of you are going, oh, man, that'd be 100. That's pretty good. Anyway, so God's, so, so you, know what, you know the story. They didn't wait for the Lord either. But when you're praying for something, you know, this is a story that the Lord brought to my heart. Um, you know, I was a pastor at the Downey Church. And there was a time when I wanted and needed a music leader. You guys got great music, man. Praise the Lord, huh? Love it. Love singing and hearing everybody. Um, but we needed a music leader. We had folks who could sing. We need somebody who could really kind of lead us and teach us. You know how it is. And so I put it on my prayer list. Lord, bring somebody to help us. Please bring a leader who is spiritual and who loves you and who's like a teacher. And I prayed it for... Two years. Now, friends, when I'm telling you this story, I am nothing special, okay? I'm just saying, I'm just kind of passing some bread from my own experience to you, okay? So this is not about me. 
but it's about God. And I kept praying that and praying that because I believe God will answer every prayer in His time. Don't you? Every prayer. Every single prayer. And one day the webmaster calls me up and says, Hey, somebody just wrote a letter and here's the email. And they're asking us if we need a worship leader. And I'm going, yeah. Huh? By the way, I was saying, Lord, you choose the worship leader, not me. I could go out and choose a worship leader, couldn't I? I could go out, you know, and look around and try to find somebody. But I wanted the Lord's hand. And I had a lot of things to do. And sure enough, this worship leader became our worship leader. And it was wonderful. God's blessing. It was amazing. And as I'm praying, God says, why are you so amazed? I'm saying, I don't know why. I'm amazed. I got an answer prayer. And God says, what do you think? I'm going to answer your prayers. See what I mean? And I am no different than you. Aren't we the same? We're just, we're just gifted differently. I'm pastor, teacher. You may be deacon, elder, person who loves Jesus. We're all the same. There is no hierarchy, by the way, in the church of God. Okay, including someone in my position or your pastor's position. We're all the same. We're all brothers and sisters, aren't we? And we're learning from each other. And that's why I'm up here talking. This is called the foolishness. You know, preaching about this kind of stuff. So here we are now, and Samuel, of course, asked Saul, why did you do this? And Saul gave him definite reasons why he did them. All good. You know, you know what I'm saying? We can rationalize anything. Now, I'm kind of running out of time. But anyway, I want to show you one more thing. I think it's in chapter 15. Turn over to 15 real fast. Now, you know that the Amalekites, we're going to talk about Amalekites in a minute. The Amalekites were the tribe who attacked Israel on their way out of Egypt. They're marching into the desert, and they're in the desert 40 years, and they're, they're marching out. The Amalekites attacked them from the rear. So what happens is, is there was a particular order of march, the men of war up in the front, you know, like that. They had the baggage. Then they had... Um, healthy people. The people in the very rear were those who were sick and ill and babies and children and stuff like that. Where did the Amalekites attack? Them. And if you're talking about 1.2 million people, it took a long time for the word back in the end of the train to get to the front to say, get the men of war back here and protect us. See, And so the Lord says he would have uh, he would deal with these Amalekites. And now was the time. And so we find that God sends Saul to attack the Amalekites, and he does. But this is a devoted offering to God. I know some of you, I don't have time to talk about this, but right now he says to Saul, I want you to go to the Amalekites, and I want you to, I want you to offer, it's like a burnt offering, Take everyone out, man, woman, child, animal, everything. You take no prisoners. That's a whole other sermon, okay? 
But the word that there is, by the way, to help you with this, why would God do such a terrible thing? There's a technical word used whenever that happens. This is an offering devoted to God. And that's the way God wanted it. So when he sends Saul out with the army, and you know the story, you know where I'm going, he goes out and he attacks them. He does a good job. He overruns their forces. But he takes the king captive and he takes the best of the animals back with him. Remember this story? Samuel meets him on the way, and Saul goes, Hey, Samuel, man, we were really successful. And Samuel says these famous words, Yes, but what is the bleeding I hear in my ear? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And uh, didn't the Lord God said that that's devoted to him, etc.? Remember this story? And he says, Well, you know, it's my soldiers, the soldiers, the uh, you know, they're the ones that did it. <laughs> well, why have you got the king? Well, you know, we brought him in. He's subdued, whatever. So here are th- these um, stories are two instances of, of Saul being directed from God through his prophet Samuel to do something for him. And he doesn't do it. He rationalizes why he couldn't do it. So, now we go to verse chapter 13, verse 14. And here we go. We're going to do a comparison. So, I want you to be ambidextrous. Put your hand in chapter 12, and I want you also to begin to look at chapter 13, verse 14. Now, here it goes. But now, I'm looking in chapter 13, verse 14. We're going to do a comparison. It says, but now your kingdom shall not continue. This is Samuel to Saul. The Lord has sought for himself, what? A man after his own heart. You see it there? And the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you to do. You haven't done it. So it says here that the Lord God will appoint another man who is a person after his own heart. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? If you compare that with verse 12, chapter 12, verse 13, here's the counterpoint to that. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, whom you desired. See, we, when we pray, we want to say, Lord, like Jenny and I, how many times have we moved, honey? 14. Jenny and I have moved 14 times in our lives. Yes, we have. <laughs> That's a lot. And whenever we would move, we had our prayer, Lord, please find just the right house for us. You know, please find just the right house. Those 14 times, God answered that prayer. We didn't say, give me 2,500 square feet, Lord, a pool in the back. Give me five bedrooms. You know what I'm talking about? No. We just said, Lord, give us the home you want us in. I don't want to be in a home that God doesn't want me in, ever. I want to be in the home God wants me to be in, see? And so I have to end up now because the time's running.
Now we turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Okay, run over to Acts chapter 13, please. Acts 13 and verse 22. And I want you to see what we're doing. Are you there? Acts 13, verse 22. Just say amen if you're there. Okay, here we go. Now, this is coming on the definition. What is a man or woman after God's own heart? Here we go. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David. This is Saul talking... um, talking and preaching and saying, He raised up he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, read it with me, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do who will do all my will. Wow. A man after God's own heart is who? Someone who does what God says to do. That's what it says. Your Bibles, you have different translations. That's what it's saying. A man or a woman after God's own heart simply does what God asked you to do. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. It can mean me and you. We're inclusive. It can include all of us today here. If you want faith, you want to know how much God loves you. Focus on that. I've mentioned it today. God loves you and is faithful to you even when you're not. That's where faith comes from. Focus on that. And focus on this. Do what the Lord says to do. See, Saul was anointed by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit power, but when it came to making decisions, his own free will, he made those decisions in a way that did not honor God and was actually contrary to what God wanted for him. We, on the other hand, want to be men and women of God. Do we not? We want to be people after God's own heart. That means doing what God asks us to do. It's not hard because you find what God wants you to do right here. We know what to do. Question is, will we do it? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your love and kindness. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Lord Jesus, you've spoken to us this morning, and some of us need to recommit our lives to you. I I want to recommit my life. I certainly, Lord, want to do your will every single day. And I'm praying for just that person out there, Lord, who just, their faith is about ready to end. I'm praying for him or her to know that you are faithful and you love them and that they can be a man or a woman after your heart simply by following you. Bless them, Lord, today and guide them. And thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. And everyone says, Amen. Let us pray. And now may the Lord go with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit inspiring your life and your prayers and your forgiveness. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.